electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Hollywood drama, big movies postponed. Semaphore's Ben Smith explains. The strike doesn't affect their ability to produce it. This thing is done. They want the stars on the red carpet. And if, and if they can't get that because those folks are on strike, they're going to postpone the movie. And workers feeling disconnected from work? No way. Former Goldman Sachs HR head Edith Cooper on going intentionally hybrid. If you are in an environment, you are asking people to come in three days a week, be very clear about the why. Those stories, plus retail's shocking smash and grabs. And CNBC's Julia Borston reports on the new rules hitting big tech in Europe. Violations could bring massive multi-million dollar fines. It's Friday, August 25th. I mean, tell me time's not flying, uh, just not flying by. Squawk Pot begins right now. Stand under by in three, two, one, cue Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. It's just the boys this morning. Becky is off. And uh, Joe, we got a lot to do today. We do. And, and the boys... Greetings and welcome to the Nordstrom Second Quarter 2023 Earnings Conference. Participating in today's call are Eric Nordstrom, Chief Executive Officer, Pete Nordstrom, President and Chief Brand Officer. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining us today. We are watching shares of Nordstrom's right now. Uh, The retailer reporting earnings of 84 cents per share. Beat estimates of 44 cents. Revenue of $3.8 billion, beating estimates of $3.7 billion. But despite the beat, I think this is what we're all focused on, Joe. Nordstrom stuck with its previous full-year outlook, signaling caution about the coming months. On the call, the company's CEO, Eric Nordstrom, was asked about smash-and-grab theft. This has been the topic at DuJour in retail land. One of its stores in Los Angeles earlier this month, video showing a mob of at least 20 thieves swarming the store and grabbing armfuls of merchandise, initially valued at sixty dollars to $100,000. Now, the CEO said, what happened at that store is, quote, disturbing to all of us. And the next question is from Edward Iruma with Piper Sandler. Please proceed. Uh, the discussion about shrink. We all saw the video what happened to Panga. Just trying to understand how you see shrink playing out for, for the remainder of the year. Thank you. Losses from theft are at, uh, at historical highs. Uh, and I'd say we, we find it unacceptable. Uh, it, it needs to be addressed. That being said, well, it's unacceptable. It is within our plans. Uh, we have not seen a uh, continuing rising of shrinkage that has exceeded uh, what we've planned. So uh, it's in line with, with how we laid out this year. But, um, you know, the drag on earnings, just, just from a, a financial performance, uh, that needs to come down. So I don't know what you make of that, Joe. I think that success breeds success with this, and there's probably some planning going on to do this again if, if it can be done. So I'm not sure what, what the answer is. I will say that it's but like they, now it's, it's a... Like it's a now, yeah, go ahead. It's a, I was going to say, it sounds like they're now building it into their models, meaning yeah. when it comes the to the expectations. 
But exactly. for society, I think we're going to hear, I mean, we heard about it the other night in the debate, and I think it's going to be a political talking point about law and order and, and blue cities and uh, prosecutors and Soros. And, you know, it, it just, you know, just take your pick. It's, you're going to hear about it, right. that, that broken window, that we're not, uh, you know, there's no bail. They're letting people out that are that, uh, not enforcing laws. It's, you're going to, you know, it's going to become more than just uh, uh, right. something in a company's income statement. It's going to be something that, that we hear talking about. And don't you think it's going to continue? I, I think that I, I don't think it's getting better. I don't see, I don't see how it's getting better unless unless the laws are changed or there's more aggressive enforcement. And I, I, mean, and I don't know what the right. I don't know how you do it. How many guys uh, people were there? If you're splitting a hundred grand for an afternoon of work, so-called work, I mean, you you'd stake out another place, wouldn't you? If if you don't, you know, if, if I wouldn't, if, but others might. I, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe the, uh, you know, meantime, but, not giving but anyone any ideas, but you know just how how things work. If right. you know if there's no uh, if there's no comeuppance, you're going to keep doing it. Uh, let's show, let's show everybody shares of uh, Ulta Beauty right now because they are slightly higher. I don't think they've had the same type of problems, but I'm sure they've had some earnings of uh, six dollars and two cents uh, per share, beating estimates of uh, five point eight five. Uh, revenue was slightly higher than expected. Comp sales up about 8%, the company raising its full-year outlook on the call. Company CEO said that inventory shrink continued to be a headwind since May and put uh, fragrances behind locked glass in what they're saying is 50% of the stores and expect to have those locked uh, lock displays in 70% of stores by the year end. So that's the other thing, the cost of uh, the capital cost of doing that and just changing the customer experience of being in a store. And I still find it, you know, you go into a, a Dwayne Reed in New York or a Walgreens and you can't, you know, by toothpaste, it's like behind the glass half the time. It's kind of crazy. You definitely can't buy razor blades uh, unless you get a... Uh, That's you for sure. You can't buy Not the branded razor blades. Sometimes they're, they're razor blades. <laughs> you, can, you, you notice that? That the branded version is behind the glass and the, the, the store version is another one? Wow. Yeah, so the, uh, it's, it is a sorry state of affairs, I think, um, at this point. And we've... Cynics have made the point that the, the uh, I guess you can get a decent pipe to smoke whatever it is your thing is. You can get that from a free from a vending machine. Those aren't locked. So it's, it's wacky. Right. The EU's new digital rules, the Digital Services Act, uh, goes into effect. What does it mean? Uh, for the tech giants. Julia Borson joins us now uh, with more. Hey, Julia. Well, Joe, the EU says that these rules are intended to make the internet a safer place. They're starting off by today targeting 19 companies with over 45 million users in the EU. That EU that includes Alphabet, Amazon, Meta, ByteDance, and X, which is, of course, formerly Twitter. Now, the D Digital Services Act, or DSA, aims to prevent the spread of harmful or illegal content, along with election interference. The rules also tighten privacy regulation, banning the collection of user-sensitive data and also the targeting of ads to minors. Now, by today, the companies that are covered need to send a risk assessment to the European Commission, along with the preventative measures that they're going to take to mitigate those risks. The companies will face an independent audit next year. In six months, they'll have to share a transparency report. And users of these platforms will need to be able to report infractions. And once something is reported, reported, such as offensive content, the companies are then held liable. And violations could bring massive multi-million dollar fines. 
Roth MKM analysts saying, quote, 2024 could be punctuated by a series of exchanges, negotiations, and possibly lawsuits between U.S. big tech and the EU. But Meta's president of global affairs, Nick Clegg, writing, quote, we welcome the ambition for greater transparency, accountability, and user empowerment that sits at the heart of regulations like the DSA. So now I'm watching to see what kind of ripple effect this has here in the U.S. where efforts have stalled to reform Section 230. That's what protects these platforms from liability for content that is shared on them. Now, the first big test of the DSA will be the Slovakian election that's coming up at the end of next month. So the European Commission will be watching very closely, particularly around anything that could seem like manipulation or election interference. Joe? Oh my God, the, the Slovakian election is next. Is that coming up already? Julia, that, uh, I just, I mean, tell me time's not flying, uh, just not flying by. Is that next month? It is indeed next month, Joe. I mean, the thing you have to remember here is that the EU contains so many different countries and what they want to make sure is that each of these massive companies has the, the policies and procedures in place, such as people who are based in those countries, who speak the language, who are monitoring to make sure that there isn't either massively offensive content. So if you're meta, you need to make sure you have enough people who are Slovakian or speaking Slovakian and monitoring to make sure there isn't manipulation well, you can of that use an election. AI. You can just plug it into your AI stuff and, and, and uh, get the They are using a lot of AI. They're <laughs> using a lot, of, a lot of AI to help monitor this stuff, Joe. But the other thing that's interesting is that part of this is that they now have to identify if content has been manipulated by AI. So of course, coming uh, going into this big presidential race, there's a lot of concern about deep fakes. So part of this is they, all of these platforms have to identify if a video that's going viral on their platforms is effectively a deep Would fake. you say we finally end up here with some of the same things that the, the EU, I, I, I mean, is the EU leading the way on something that uh, they certainly don't lead the way on the technology itself, maybe just the regulation of the technology? Well, well, the EU has absolutely led the way when it comes to privacy regulation. GDPR, which is the privacy regulation that came out of the EU, is much more stringent than anything we have here in the U.S. There's been a lot of talk about privacy regulation here in the U.S., even a a, a big push for privacy regulation um, from both sides of the aisle, but we really have not seen massive privacy regulation here in the U.S. So what's effectively happened is the EU takes a stand and then all the U.S.-based companies then follow and, in fact, in, in many occasions adopt those same policies from the EU, even when it comes to what's going on here stateside. So I said I would say that, yes, the EU is leading the way, and that's why I think it'll be so interesting to see not only what do these companies do here, but do we see regulation that even that's follows pretty good commentary. Uh, in, in that it, path. You're right. It's pretty good time. EU can lead on, on regulation, just not on the, the innovation. Uh, great. All right. Th thanks, Julia. Except, Andrew, except for Gojo, right? Lucas Matson. Except for, I mean, except for that guy. That was a... You're, a you're thinking... A fictional, <laughs> a fictional startup's the only thing I can come up with. That's uh, sad comment. There, I mean, what about Spotify? You, you might say that that Spotify is a right. pretty good That's example. That's a great example. Spotify. All right, yep. Spotify. What is that? Okay. The music thing that gives you the music yes. you like? Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. It's not a spot remover. Okay. Thank you. Cheese will be next. Coming up, the actors and writers' two strikes continues, and big studios are making big changes. Semaphore's Ben Smith explains the most important cogs in the Hollywood machine. 
Part of what we're seeing with these strikes is a recognition of how important this whole incredibly complex marketing machine is. Squawk Pod will be right back. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. And we're back. This is Squawk Pod. Stand by, Joe, in three, two, one. His mic, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Hollywood labor strikes forcing a box office shuffle. Warner Brothers Discovery saying that Dune Part 2 is now officially going to be moving from this year to next year. That's when they'll launch it. Uh, it'll premiere uh, later on in 2024, and a new Godzilla movie will be bumped from March to April. The inability of actors, specifically, this is the issue, to promote the films during the strike is seen as a reason for the switch. Uh, most of these films have already been uh, in the can, if you will. It's really a, a story of how do you promote these things if the actors can't get out there uh, on the road and, uh, and promote them on programs and, and the like. You're a creative guy, uh, Andrew. How, how do you refresh... Uh, Godzilla. I mean, he's fought King Kong. That was weird that those two guys ever got right. in the same area to, to have the fight. I, I, do, do you make another remake because of the, the CGI for, the, for Godzilla itself? Remember the original Godzillas? You could tell it was like a little plastic thing. It didn't even, Don't you know. You, you come up with some other backstory. You come up you with need some, a you know, backstory. You need you need like a plot. You need like some like relationship between the protagonists, I guess, or that's, I don't know, that's, some political you, backdrop, political backdrop or something. So I'm suddenly I'm interested. I didn't think I was, but uh, can you now do you it? Do you need to do that? Have you seen it? will make that part cool, but it's the other part that's got to be. It's if always Jason, about the characters. If Jason can come back twelve times. I think Godzilla, can, Godzilla come back, can come back. Can come back one more time. But look at the success with something new like Barbie. It's better to do that than to try to just keep beating a dead Godzilla. I think. Yeah, but by the way, now you're going to see. You'll see Barbie. You'll see Barbie two. You'll see Ken. I'm sure there'll be multiple Ken shows. You think there'll be a I Ken mean, spinoff? Really? Why Possible, not? Right. I guess they can. <laughs> Joining us now is Ben Semaphore. No, it's Ben Smith. But he's co-founder uh, and editor-in-chief. Of the I told you I was going to do that, Ben. It's, it's a I, cool I answer, name. I answered answer that. You answered it either. It's, it's a cool name. So this is a, a snapshot into the future. We've been worried there's stuff in the can. There's stuff in the can, right? And it, and it wasn't affecting uh, everyone. But now we're, we're, 
we're, this is like dragging on. We're going to start seeing things like this, right? Yeah, the, yeah. Dune is Dune is staying in the can until until I think it sounds like the spring of twenty four was supposed to be out this November. And again, this you know, it's, the the strike doesn't affect their ability to produce it. This thing is done. They want the stars on the red carpet, and if and, and if they can't get that because those folks are on strike, they're going to postpone the movie. Exactly what's happening. Um, we were just talking about AMC. This is the the whole industry really doesn't need this following the pandemic. I mean, it is you know it is. I mean, those those of you who were skeptical about, about meme stocks, I, you know, I did that that whole world has come to earth. And I mean, I do think. I mean, one interesting twist on that. I mean, it's very you know, Elon Musk has been ta- put out an RFP recently to try to supercharge retail trading on 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 the platform now known as X. And and I just. It does feel like that era, that that particular era is over, um, of of in particular, yeah. I guess. It's kind Excitement of interesting. About the- I, I remember that um, who walked out was it the Oppenheimer premiere? So it, it was. This has happened where the actors don't show for the premiere, and that makes a difference. That actually makes a difference, but it's still kind of interesting that that that's enough to cause the delay because you want the promotion. Uh, on the front end, and it's that important. What do you? What about Telluride next week, Ben? Did you know Telluride was next week? Are there? Is that going to be compromised or not as good as as normal? I mean, I think what you're seeing is this sort of very complicated, old-fashioned movie industry that you know, I guess, in some ways, tried to try to persuade us over the last couple of years that it was a technology industry, and that you know, so these streaming platforms could exist independent of this unbelievably complicated weird ecosystem where you're spending all this money you know on billboards on sunset boulevard to win awards at for instance small festivals um in order to generate this sort of ineffable kind of buzz that will then get people to theaters and they were they thought ah, you know what we're just gonna drop this on the streaming platform forget all that and i think part of what we're seeing with these strikes is a recognition of how important this whole incredibly Mm -hmm. complex marketing machine is. Hey, Ben, how important do you think the marketing machine is, not just to the films themselves, but actually to the rest of the sort of media ecosphere, given that all these people are not guests on all these TV programs, uh, people aren't writing about this stuff in the same... It's not... At one level, it's a marketing problem for Hollywood, but I wonder whether it's actually a problem for all of media. I know. I mean, just look at the attractiveness level of people on this show, Andrew. It's Ah. gone down, I think, I saw a survey. It was down forty percent since the uh, since the strike. I don't know. I mean, I there's actually nothing I've li- I, I like less than those promotional interviews with stars who are, you know, repeating the say exactly the same things they said on the last one and never make yeah. any news. So I think that may be a net benefit for for, for the rest of us. Yeah, another big drop today. Just after this segment, uh, I'm seeing now. Uh, ben, no, I know. That, hey, Ben, I, real that quick. That was an unsolicited shot. I really don't understand that one uh, as a guest. Go hey, ahead. Ben, they're going to play us out. Mark Thompson, CNN, my former boss at the New York Times. What do you think the chances are? I think the chances are pretty good. I, what I've heard since 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 we since we reported that is that that's a really serious possibility. He's sort of incredibly well qualified for the job, ran the BBC and ran the New York Times. But he's a TV guy, so that makes sense. He's a TV guy. It's a, it's a tough job. I mean, I think that's the real question. Does he want I to know. do it? Yeah. Is, yeah. Who would want it? Maybe not him. Ben, ben, thank you. Up next on Squawk Pod, what makes in-office work worth it? HR expert Edith Cooper on the hybrid strategies that work for workers. 
It's better innovation, collaboration, relationship building. Okay, what are you doing as an organization to ensure that that's happening for everyone in the organization? Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Today with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Andrew. There is a growing disconnect between remote workers and their companies. A recent Gallup poll showing 28% of remote workers felt a connection to the purpose of their organization. That's down from 32% last year and the lowest level since the pandemic began. The survey came as Goldman Sachs making a big push for workers to return five days a week. And uh, over at Amazon, employees are resigning rather than relocating to the company's office hubs. Joining us to talk about the future of work, Edith Cooper. She's on the boards of Amazon and Pepsi, as well as former Goldman Sachs head of human capital management. She's also the co-founder of uh, Medley, a group of coaching programs for individuals and workplaces. Uh, Edith, good morning to you. Uh, I'm so curious how you're thinking about your former employer, Goldman, trying to get everybody back five days. Others are trying to do four days. Others are trying to do three days. What do you think the answer is? is it by industry? Is it by, what is it? What is it by? Is it by who the manager is? What's the way to think about it? Well, good morning, Andrew, and and I decided specifically that I wanted to join you in yes. person. Yes. Uh, because in person matters. It matters to me in the uh, people that I met with just coming into the studio, uh, and those interactions really matter. You highlighted in your opening comments that there are a number of different approaches from mandating, and I say that with heavy parens, that people come into the office five days a week to the other scenario where hybrid is okay all the time, any time. My view is that it is very important for people to engage in person with humans. But we also, as humans, have learned that a tremendous amount of, of uh, productivity, work, and engagement can take place remotely. So. I'm very, very supportive of the hybrid model, but in order to do that, I think it's very critical to really understand what it means to create a truly inclusive hybrid workplace. So who, on that front, who is doing it right? Is there a great example of somebody that, or a company that you say, you know what, these guys have figured it out? Well, I, I would ask people who work at organizations um, whether they believe that it's working out. And, and why do I start there? Because this is all about the employee's experience. You know, do they work in a place where uh, they feel like the organization has really invested in them and invested in creating an environment where everyone can thrive? Organizations that are doing it right understand that flexibility matters to people, but that there also has to be structure. I mean, imagine this, completely hybrid. You can come in when you want, when you don't want. As a leader, as a manager, that's somewhat challenging to navigate. But if you put in place thinking around what it means to fully engage when you're there, it's really going to make a difference to your people. You're talking with them, creating experiences with them where everyone will thrive. But what does that mean? Um, is that, can that be done in two days a week? Can it be done one day a week? Does it, should it be done, is that three or four days a week? Could it be done quarterly? I mean, there's, 
there's a whole, there's a lot of folks who are trying to do this in different ways. Yes, the answer is yes, all of those can work. But the reality is you've got to really think about what it means if you're only coming together in person one day a week. I mean, let's also take as a backdrop that we're talking about a percentage of the population. So many people in America actually don't have the opportunity to say, you know what, I want to work from home one day a week or two days a week. And so therefore, we all operate in an ecosystem of human beings that work. And we have to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, we operate in that context. So if you are in an environment, as I would suggest, where you are asking um, and people to come in three days a week, be very clear about the why. Andrew, you're going to ask, what does that mean? It means that when people are in the office three days a week, that they have an experience that actually reflects the why. The why is often commented or mentioned as it's better innovation, collaboration, relationship building. Okay, what are you doing as an organization to ensure that that's happening for everyone in the organization? And how are you connecting that back to those that are not in the office two days a week to ensure that they too are included in the overall framework of excellence? He's, he's pretty predictable, is he not, Andrew? I mean, you, you see, you've seen the show. Uh, yeah, you've seen the show yes. once or twice. So let's say there had never been, let's do the counterfactual, no pandemic, mm -hmm. never happened. Would we be here? And, and, and I think maybe more than the pandemic, just technology has, has enabled this. Because, I mean, you're in front of a computer, what, why does it matter where you're sitting? What, what's been more? I guess both things have added to the... Uh, to where we are. Right. Well, let's go back um, 10 years, like not right before the pandemic. I would say then, in my professional experience, I was running uh, with my incredible colleagues an HR organization, and I come from a sales and trading environment where it, quite frankly, looked a lot like this. Lots of screens, lots of data, et cetera. And in the early days, um, folks would ask me, you know, how do you feel about remote working? Okay, that wasn't a year before pandemic. That was probably a decade ago. And my response then was, I'm open to it. I mean, me personally, I like to work in the office. That's what I know. That's what I do. And you know what? It kind of sent ripples through the organization because there were many people who were extraordinary in the organization who had started working from home. I then thought, well, let me see how it works, practically whether it makes sense. And I was a leader at Goldman Sachs at the time. And I started working from home one day a week. And you know what? It was incredibly productive. I was focused, I saved myself three hours a day, but I also still very much enjoyed and, and, and got a lot out of going into the office. So this is not a new phenomenon, but what has happened as a result of the trauma and the necessity of COVID, we all fast forwarded in a very significant way and learned how to get things done virtually. It had impact on the way we work, it had impact on the way healthcare was provided, Things happened so quickly that would have probably happened eventually, but instead happened immediately. And we can't go back. We can't forget that. It's part of the culture of work now. Edith, here's a question for you. And I'm, I'm going to use Goldman Sachs as the example, and I, it's not to critique that firm or to pick on them or anything else. But um, historically, one of the things that's so interesting is, especially senior management has actually never been in the office uh, five days a week. Never. Um, you know, David Solomon spends an enormous amount of time traveling for work. I'm not saying he's not working. I'm just saying he's not in 
HQ in New York. He's actually sometimes going to other offices around, around the world, but he's visiting clients, others, things. Uh, there's a lot of folks who do that. In fact, when we keep talking about you know, trying to get back to 100% in office, what we're really talking about is trying to get to 75% in office because even at the height of it, that's what, we were, that's what it looked like. And so there's a lot of folks, I think, who are also in office saying, well, wh what are we trying to solve for? Are we trying to solve for the, for the time that I'm going to bump in to the senior manager who happens to be in the office that day because they happen to be back in town? Or am I, or am I, so am I, am I solving for myself trying to have that interaction? Am I trying to solve for them trying to come back to the office and have, if, for, so they can have that interaction? What are we doing here? And I think that, that it, underneath it, if you really talk to people, especially at the junior level and then at the senior level to try to understand what's happening, that's a huge component of the dynamic. Well, I, earlier in my comments, we talked about whether one day, three days, five days, not at all, um, was really the key question. And certainly you have to think about the framework um, in which you're operating. But I think, Andrew, what you're suggesting is very important here that really what's most important is the experience that people have when they are in the office. If you are client facing, uh, you know, quite frankly, you shouldn't spend all of your time in the office. And if you are someone who's coming to the workplace today, you should be engaging and understanding what that real interaction is like. What are people out seeing clients doing? They're meeting with them, they're understanding, they're communicating, ideally they're listening more than talking. That's an experience that's very important. When you're starting your career, it is really important for you to have those experiences, but they don't drop out of the sky. You have to be, as a leader and as a manager, very intentional about creating those engagements. The flyby manager walking by and not communicating is actually not what represents why you need to be in the office. The stop, the conversation, a leader asking you, hey, we're working on this project together, what do you think? Uh, I looked at the work that you did, really interesting, let me give you some feedback. Let's talk about what's great, but let's talk about ways to, to enhance it. Those are things that certainly could happen virtually, but I believe in my experiences, having that um, lens of doing that in person really matters because that's what humans do, they interact. And we all have to learn how to do that, particularly when you're starting out in your career. Edith, uh, very much appreciate it. Thank you for the interaction. And that's Squawk Pod for today, this Friday, and for the week. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern and get the best, the smartest, the high points of Squawk Box right here in our daily podcast. It's only about a half an hour, and it's available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll meet you right back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.